0: This is for professional and institutional clients only.
1: We have a real focus on collecting all the biogas, which is the methane, that comes out of our landfills. So our landfills are engineered to ensure that we're capturing more than 95% of our biogas, and then we are using that to produce electricity and destroy it.
0: Welcome to the IGNIO Infrastructure Partners podcast, Keeping It Real Assets. In this series, you will hear from the IGNIO Investment Team in conversation with the leaders of our global infrastructure businesses. We will shine a light on how they operate and their approach to the challenges of an ever-changing world. We hope that you enjoy listening.
2: Hello and welcome to this episode of Keeping It Real Assets. My name is Mark Bencher and I'm a director at IGNIO Infrastructure Partners. Today I'm joined by Evan Mayle, the Managing Director of Waste Management New Zealand. Evan, welcome to the pod. Thanks for inviting me, Mark. Evan, why don't we begin with a bit of an overview of your background and then move to an overview of Waste Management New Zealand.
1: I'm an accountant by trade. Um, I've had 11 years with Waste Management, eight as CFO and three as MD. We're a waste management and resource company based in New Zealand. We're an essential service. This was really proven during the COVID pandemic and the recent flooding events we've had in New Zealand where Waste Management was involved in the cleanup. And that was to prevent issues with public health. We trace our roots back to 1894. We we were predominantly a cartage business. And ever since then, we've gradually morphed into an environmental services business. We're the largest in New Zealand. We're roughly twice as big number two. And we have about 70 locations throughout the country, a team of about 1,800. And we're producing in excess of New Zealand dollars, $600 million of revenue each year. Our strategic intent is to be the leader in materials and energy recovery. We want to be powering the circular economy and the journey to a carbon-neutral future for Aotearoa New Zealand.
2: If we unpack your statement, in terms of the end customer, what this business does, are you able to take us through how waste goes from the collection side, the aggregation side, recovery, and then disposal?
1: Yeah, sure. The business has become bigger and more complex as we moved away from our original business. Our purpose is simple. We aim to safely collect, manage, reuse and dispose of waste for our customers, thereby limiting any adverse effects on the environment. Practically what that means is we collect waste from businesses within or outside of their business. And we take that waste and recover the valuable commodities like garden offcuts, paper, aluminium, glass, etc., Several of these commodities, we process or we take it to another partner to process it for us. And the material that can't be processed, we dispose of it via a network of landfills that we own and manage. From those landfills, we collect the biogas or the methane, and then we use that to generate electricity. So we produce enough electricity to power roughly about 25,000 homes each year. From our perspective, we do see ourselves as responsible managers of waste throughout the country. We provide a service. So a small customer or one of the largest businesses within New Zealand, we offer a service that's bespoke to you and we can also provide that reporting as well.
2: And if we then turn to the customer, if I put myself in the shoes of the customer, I think about what I want as a waste management service provider. Like Ideally, I want my waste collected on time, I want my recyclables to be utilised for new products, and importantly, that the waste that I provide you doesn't somehow adversely impact the environment. How do you manage that? Like it's yeah. quite complex
1: tasks. Absolutely. So we provide assurance to our customers that once we take the waste, we'll follow it through. We'll have complete chain of custody of that waste as it goes through that process, whether it goes through a recovery process or residual waste process. So by having a supplier such as ourselves, we reduce that double handling and we can control the outcomes and protect the environment. We can also report the whole way through the process on whether it's the materials recovered or the residual waste. So we're really helping our customers have confidence that they know exactly what has happened to the waste or recycling when it leaves their premises.
2: Are you seeing that becoming more important for customers over time where, again, this chain of custody that knowing I'm giving you the waste, it's not going to have adverse effects, is that becoming more important to a greater segment of customers?
1: Customers are really interested in the impact that they have on the environment. And the last thing they want is their waste having an adverse effect in the local community or in the environment as a whole. So with that confidence, they're willing to pay that premium as well so we can add value to the process and make sure we maximize that through our value chain that we have. And if
2: we turn our attention to competition in the New Zealand waste market, so that the market is characterized by Waste Management New Zealand as the largest national integrated waste management company. You then have Enviro New Zealand, which is approximately half the size of Waste Management New Zealand, as the other national integrated waste company. Beyond these two companies, The market does appear largely fragmented and regionally focused, particularly in the Auckland market. How do you see the business winning over customers in light of this competitive
1: dynamic? It is a typical New Zealand marketplace in terms of two large players. So we're twice as large as number two. And then it's quite a long drop down to three, four and five. So we maximise the benefit we can get from our scale. So we have the biggest footprint out of any of our competitors. We offer a far bigger, broader service offering than our competitors. And we have a real sustainability focus with our offering. So certainly at the big end of town, sustainability is very top of mind, but it's starting to move down the medium level of companies and also to the small companies. So we help them along their sustainability journey. So, whether that's an, a waste audit, so they can actually get a benchmark of the waste that they're producing and all the recyclables that could be recovered from their waste stream, right through to detailed reporting on a monthly, annual basis that they need for their own sustainability goals, but also their own sustainability reporting. So, it's that breadth of offering and it's that scale that we offer, and we operate with households right through to the largest companies in the country.
2: If we now go up a level and look at the macro trends in waste in New Zealand, the OECD collects a lot of waste data for a number of its member states. And a person living in the OECD area generates on average 533 kilos of municipal waste per year. For Australia and the UK, the figure is lower than the average. It's 495 kilos for Australia and 464 kilos for the UK. When we've looked at New Zealand, the figure is a whopping 756 kilos per person for municipal waste. The other thing that we've noted is that, you know, there's several studies are looking at recycling rates for New Zealand and, you know, there is a deficiency of statistics for recycling rates. But the figures are somewhere between 28 to 33% of recycling for municipal waste in New Zealand, which again is pretty low relative to, say, the UK at around 45%. Have you got any views as to what's driving this? Is there some sort of behavioural aspect or a lack of pricing incentive that's causing this?
1: It's a couple of things, Mark. So New Zealand being a long way from the rest of the world and also the infrastructure that we have in our country. So we haven't had the investment into infrastructure to enable that recycling or that recovery to efficiently work. And also having most of our in markets being overseas and not having that onshore ability to deal with the recycling has also been a problem. So our industry is changing. So we have a bit of a change happening in terms of the waste disposal levy is increasing in New Zealand and those funds will be used to directly invest in infrastructure in that recovery space.
2: When we talk about the waste disposal levy, it would be useful just to clarify what that means for the listener.
1: In New Zealand, The government has a levy that they charge on all disposal to land or energy facilities. So that's charged on a per ton rate. And that started off as $10 per ton. Currently, it's $50 New Zealand per ton. So it's charged across the board. And so waste management will be participating with that funding and infrastructure within New Zealand to help improve the amounts that we're actually recovering and reduce that amount of residual waste that ends up in the country. So I do see that trend starting to reverse in this country. It'd take a little while for that infrastructure to be built, but it's really uh, that infrastructure has been the limiting factor for us to get to those same global rates that we see elsewhere.
2: Do you see the same focus on, say, sustainability on recycling uptakes with consumer and corporate behaviour? Or do you think it's Because you haven't had those price signals for so long, people just aren't as focused on, say, doing the right thing.
1: It's probably fair to say that it is starting to improve. I think there's knowledge about it, but we're still not portraying the right behaviours all the time. And so as part of our remit is to help educate the public, but also our customers on the right way to do recycling. It's an education, there's knowledge of it, but it will improve because I think those price signals that the government is trying to bring in will make that much more top of mind. It will change some of the behaviours around the packaging, making sure that the correct packaging that can go through a, a circular economy cycle is used in the future. So trying to eliminate some of those problem items, some of the problem plastics, but I think we're starting to head in the right direction in that space. It is taking time. That's one of the reasons why the government's sending those price signals with the waste disposal levy increases.
2: I also saw a, I think it was a government report on behaviour, and the report suggested a significant percentage of the population was confused as to which bin to put which different recyclable waste, in part because it wasn't consistent across the country. So I think as the government tries to improve consistency on that curbside collection, you'd think that that problem should go away and that should improve
1: recycling. It has been a problem. We have about 65 different councils across our country, and they run the recycling and the waste initiatives in their own council. So the government has mandated a standardisation of what is collected and how it is collected on curbside. So that is rolled out over the next few years. And so whether you're in the very north of the country or the very south of the country, It is the same recyclables that are going into the same bin. We should see some improvement there. We did have a large uptick in contamination in recycling bins during COVID, but that's starting to come down. So we do see that momentum to reduce contamination and improve recycling rates definitely helping.
2: You see more effort from government in assisting with this. So I think we note some changes coming for curbside recycling Essentially looking for more separated bins on the municipal side. That can only improve the recovery rates, I would have thought. Are you seeing further trends or
1: benefits from government in this regard? We're seeing that big focus on organics recovery. So, government is driving a lot of change in that space um, and will be mandating certain within each region to have an organics recovery facility. Also for construction and demolition waste, which is one of the largest components of New Zealand's waste mix. It's also looking at what they can do and providing infrastructure in that recovery space for construction and demolition waste as well. So over the next few years, there'll be a lot of infrastructure in those two main areas that the government's really focusing on. And waste management is the largest player in the market will be participating fully and ensuring that we have the correct infrastructure in the correct regions throughout the country.
2: It would be useful to understand just that mix between commercial and industrial waste, C&I, construction demolition waste, C&D, and municipal
1: waste. If we look at the whole pie, about 20% of the pie comes from either municipal or household waste. So that's 80% is the commercial side. And of that, 40%, it's about half-half in terms of commercial and industrial. Overwhelmingly, it's the commercial side of town that produces the most amount of waste in this country.
2: It's probably worth noting that recycling is already an important part of the Waste Management New Zealand business. Waste Management New Zealand is the largest composter of organics in New Zealand. Are there other examples that we can point to or case studies of Waste Management New Zealand leading the role of recycling in the economy?
1: So Waste Management, we're a strong supporter of the circular economy. We see our role as helping to create those circles within New Zealand for that recovery piece. So a good example of that is a joint venture that we've started with AliAxis. So it's targeting a problem plastic, which is PVC. So PVC in this country is used in drain pipes, guttering. But when it gets to the end of its life on a building, it comes down. So we will be collecting that processing that, and then handing that over to LAX to turn into new PVC drain pipes and guttering. So right across the country, we see that in terms of creating those circles, working with a partner that has a great knowledge with turning that into recycled plastic products, and that helps de-risk the business case that we have in terms of the offtake. They are taking that product reusing that in the marketplace, and that gives them a great competitive advantage when they're selling into the building products industry.
2: Another error I know the business is doing a lot of work around is around used tyres. Obviously, we've seen some of the damage that tyres can do if not shredded, and they're exported overseas being a, of a breeding ground for mosquitoes and malaria. we worthwhile outlining what we're actually doing around tyres.
1: Yeah, so we've set up a tyre... Processing facility. So, we're collecting the used tyres throughout the Upper North Island in New Zealand and taking them to our tyre processing facility where they're shredded and turned into tyre derived fuel. So, we are then sending that to Golden Bay Cement, who are using those shredded tyres as a direct substitute for coal.
2: The use of refuse derived fuel, I think, leads us on to another topic. And look, our listeners recently heard from Mike Maudsley, the CEO of Infidium, which is our waste-to-energy business in the UK. Given the success of the Infinium business, listeners are likely to wonder whether waste-to-energy would be an appropriate solution for New Zealand over the near term. Is that something that you've considered?
1: We have looked at it. With waste-to-energy in the current context in New Zealand, it still attracts waste disposal levy. It still attracts the ETS charges that we have in this country. So that makes the economics very challenging in the New Zealand context under the current legislation. In New Zealand, we have a big focus on renewable power and we have about 90% of the power is renewable. And we don't have that shortage of suitable land that's available. So that still skews the economics towards landfilling in this country at the moment. In the future, if things change, the levy changes, there's potential that we may look at that waste-to-energy solution.
2: Do you see New Zealand's population dispersion also coming into this debate as well, given that it's quite a well-dispersed population? You haven't got that concentration of population, therefore waste that can go to a central plant.
1: We do have a long, skinny country, 5 million on the same size of land as the UK is an example. So the population base is also quite low to support such a solution at the moment.
2: The next area I wanted to discuss is something that is obviously key to us, which is all around innovation. How do you see innovation playing a role within the Waste Management New Zealand business?
1: Waste Management throughout its history has had a history of bringing innovation into the New Zealand industry. Some of the current things that we're working on is safety within the collections fleet that we have. So it's working with the camera systems that we have. We're looking at the use of AI to detect any issues, say with the member of public or any issues on the road and the materials recovery space, the use of optical sorters in recycling, helping to make that more efficient. It's how we can automate that process with the camera technology now and combined with automation, they can work in tandem to make sure that we, one, get the right recyclable into the right place for recycling, but also take out some of that human element in the materials recovery facilities as well. So it's a safer option, and it's also a more efficient option. In the landfill space, we see our landfills as generation parks. So uh, currently, they're producing electricity from generators collecting the methane gas um, in the landfills, but we also see there is a great opportunity there with solar batteries to, to increase its capability to provide power to its local network.
2: If we now turn our attention to sustainability, which is specifically around emissions, in May of last year, the national government released its first plan to reduce emissions across the economy for the next 15 years. Now, that report touched on nearly every major sector of the economy. According to that report, the waste sector contributed approximately 4% of total gross emissions as of 2021. Interestingly, another study by the same department, the Ministry for the Environment, identified waste as the only sector which had experienced a decrease in emissions since 1990, reducing emissions by 18% despite very strong population growth over this period. Now, based on this analysis, it's pretty clear that both Waste Management New Zealand and the sector has been successful in making a good contribution to emissions. It would be useful to unpack a little bit what Waste Management New Zealand has done around sustainability, particularly on the emissions side.
1: Carbon emissions and the reduction of them is one of the key focus areas within waste management. So to give an example of that is within our business, all of our managers will have a financial target to achieve but they also have a carbon target to get below. So we set that every year. So that really crystallizes that everyone has to work to reduce carbon within our business. One of the key points that you made there was about the gross emissions from landfills, from the waste sector. That 4% is actually only 1.3% of that. It relates to what we call class one landfills, and those are the landfills that we operate. The rest relate to lesser quality landfills in the wastewater sector as well. The landfills that we operate in the country contribute 1.3% of New Zealand's gross emissions. Of that, Waste Management is the largest landfiller in the country. Its emissions are 0.13% of New Zealand's gross emissions. So we have a real focus on collecting all the biogas, which is the methane, that comes out of our landfill. So the, our landfills are engineered to ensure that we're capturing more than 95% of our biogas, and then we're using that to produce electricity and destroy it. So from our perspective, that's one of the areas that our managers are laser-focused on reducing, and we see that as a really good result. We compare that to some of the other sectors that make up such a large component of gross emissions in New Zealand.
2: And you've also got
1: the largest
2: collection fleet in the country. You're also doing some very innovative things around that collection fleet as part of minimising emissions. It would be useful to hear more about that as well.
1: Yeah. So transport makes up a large proportion of New Zealand's gross emissions and we produce power at our landfills. And so we thought, okay, how can we use that power appropriately? And We took the decision back in 2016 to electrify our New Zealand collection fleet. So we looked around the world for what was available for EV truck space, and there was nothing. So we teamed up with a partner called EMOS in Holland, who do conversions from diesel to electric. We have currently 32 EV electric trucks on the road. By the end of this year, we'll have 52. So it's still... A small part of our 850 trucks that we have, but we see that pace picking up as soon as the manufacturers start producing them off the shelf. And so we'll look at um, how we can reduce the emissions that way. 80% of our trucks are perfectly suited to battery electric because they leave from a depot in the morning, do roughly 200Ks during the day, and then come back to the depot and they can charge overnight on normal AC charging, but not even on the fast charging DC charging. A good fact that we use is the truck that will pick up the wheelie bin from the curbside collection here in Auckland will do about 1200 pickups a day. It will take that waste to the Redvale landfill. The waste that the gas that we capture off that waste, turn it into electricity, will power that truck for tomorrow and it will also power 275 homes. So we see that as another example of the circular economy in operation.
2: The other aspect of sustainability, look, it's another area that's really important to us. I know important to yourself is around health and safety. And, you know, we around the board have a lot of discussions on health and safety. It would also be useful for listeners to understand what Waste Management New Zealand is doing to keep its workforce safe.
1: Safety is our number one priority. So we have roughly 1,800 members in the team. Um, and we want to make sure that they go home safe at the end of the day. I cast back to 15 years ago, when our total recordable injury frequency rate, which is based on per million hours work, was about 140. We've now, after a lot of hard work and working with the team, we've got that down to below four. So it's quite a journey to achieve that, but it's something that we remain very focused on. It's part of our DNA, and When we get new team members coming in, we make sure their induction fully covers off the health and safety of their role and what the company does as well. So it's one of those ones that we can't lose sight of because we're a large company, we have trucks, we have processing facilities. It's something that we focus on every day.
2: Thanks, Evan.
1: Uh, Thank you for inviting me on this first podcast, Mark.
0: Thank you for listening to Keeping It Real Assets, the IGNIO Infrastructure Partners podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, you can listen to more by following IGNIO Infrastructure Partners on your favorite podcast platform. If you'd like to find out more about IGNIO Infrastructure Partners, you can visit our website at ignioip.com. This podcast series was produced by Mark Gardner at OX4 Sound Studio. This podcast is not a financial promotion and has been prepared for general information purposes only. It is not intended to be investment or financial advice and does not take into account the specific investment objectives, financial situation or needs of any particular person. References to specific securities should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell such securities. Investment vehicles managed by IGNIO Infrastructure Partners are only available to institutional investors, professional investors, qualified investors, and wholesale clients. They are not available to retail clients, the general public, private customers, or any persons in any jurisdiction in which their distribution is not authorised. IGNIO Infrastructure Partners is an unlisted infrastructure asset management business and is part of the First Sentier Investors Group. We communicate and conduct business through different legal entities in different locations. Please refer to the notes section of the podcast platform you use for more information on Ignio infrastructure partners in your region. For Singapore only, the podcast should be used in accordance with the applicable laws in Singapore. In Singapore, the podcast is issued by First Sentier Investors Singapore, whose company registration number is 196900420D. This advertisement or material has not been reviewed by the Monetary Authority of Singapore. First Sentier Investors registration number 53236800B and Ignio Infrastructure Partners registration number 53447928J our business divisions of First Sentier Investors Singapore.